Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. They seem like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad queso. I've never had no bad queso, really. It's Tuesday, September 13th, and oh. Here it comes. Here it is. The first pickups pod of the season. Joining me all season long, the wizard of the waiver wire, Andy Barons. Andy, congratulations on a well-earned water polo victory for your Chicago <laughs> Bears. What's going on, buddy? Oh, the Bears are back. Definitively, <laughs> clearly back. It's, it looks like a two-team race in the division. It's the Vikings, the Bears. Uh, you can forget the Packers. You can. I, I, this is re- these are exciting times. Yeah, thank God we're getting this in, you know, just about a week before Aaron Rodgers drops like a 50-burger on the Bears in a primetime game. And the Christian Watson breakout game, the Sammy Watkins, uh, like, delayed delayed by a week breakout game. Sure, it could happen. Alan Lazardo come back and catch 13 balls for 80 yards and two touchdowns. It'll be really exciting, man. It's going to be a great time. But anyways, we've got a lot of serious business to get down to today. Um, Andy is the goat at the waiver wire, which thank God, I can't wait to dive into all of his picks there and hopefully add all these guys to my team. But before we do give our favorite waiver wire pickups of the week, we got to talk a little bit about what happened last night and a lot of stuff happened. It's funny, you know, uh, on the recap pod with Scott, I said, Oh man, you know, like we won't, we're not going to recap this game. Uh, you know, so hopefully no breaking news happens. Well, a lot of stuff came out of that Sunday night game, Buccaneers, 19 Cowboys three. We can start, Nowhere else other than the Cowboys side of things. Pretty tough to script a more troubling start to your 2022 season than what the Cowboys offered up on Sunday Night Football. Obviously, the offense was just a a, a disaster all, all night long. Then Dak leaves with the hand injury. He's going to – he's had surgery today. He, he's going to miss – multiple weeks Mike McCarthy also says that Connor McGovern their offensive lineman is not going to go after a high ankle sprain you know veteran Jason Peters is still ramping up so a bad unit already got worse I mean like I said tough to come up with a worse start Andy it really is and they you know there was a path there uh if Dak would have just remained healthy for them to finish with sort of a I don't know. This game could have ended like 19 to 13, 19 to 10, kind of an honorable loss. 
maybe, maybe they visit the red zone eventually, which ultimately did not happen in this game. And you could have looked at it and said, okay, their defense, their defense did well when the Bucks were in the red zone and Parsons is still a game wrecker and Zeke looked pretty oh, yeah. frisky. And maybe I can squint a little and, and build a case for the Cowboys to be a competitive team that makes a playoff. Like all of that is out the window now. There's no way they're getting through as many as eight weeks without Dak Prescott. I mean, I, I, you know, this is this is going to be a wasteland in a hurry. I don't know what you do with the quarterback position when you don't have a guy behind him that you feel really good about, right? Because it's not really a plug and play position as much as as much as we like to, you know, I've heard speculation today about yeah, is it going to be or do they make a move for Garoppolo? Do they make a move for Teddy Bridgewater? Do they make it like everybody's looking at all the backups around the league, but it's just not that simple to plug a guy in when they haven't been in your camp and they they <laughs> like they haven't been in your system. Uh, I don't know. What are you going to do? Go get Andy Dalton? Like, uh, I, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. There's there's no quick fix for this. And the rest of the division looked really good. So right. um, I just, I don't, like, they. it seems terrible in the second week of the season to say a team's really got to start looking at young players and maybe they've got to, maybe they've got to consider draft position. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell a Cowboys fan today other than to hope that Dak can somehow beat this uh beat this estimated return time by a lot yeah it's it's pretty bleak i mean cooper rush and will greer the other quarterbacks on the roster and they i mean they cut these guys like yep. i mean i obviously they brought them back on you know to into the into the fold and all that cooper rush on the active roster but like that's how, that's what they thought of these guys and it just like it's emblematic of the cowboys in general that they left themselves vulnerable at positions where and and now injuries have struck at all three of those positions backup quarterback like it is kind of stunning that they have let the backup quarterback position go to waste on this team when they've already been in this spot with Dak Prescott before (laughs) you know obviously the like that's insane Tyron Smith it was like kind of a lock that he was going to miss at least a little bit of time now he's missing a ton of time and their offensive line was a disaster last night as well I mean there, there was nothing good going on there and wide receiver man I mean Let's we can talk about what to do with CeeDee Lamb. And, and I know it, it's it's already a topic of conversation. Oh, CeeDee Lamb's overrated. You know, he shouldn't be he shouldn't have never been ranked this high. He gets eleven targets, catches two balls. Dude, it doesn't even matter if CeeDee Lamb is legitimately a number one wide receiver. When the rest of these guys are like they're they're legitimately like wide receiver four and five types. I mean, it it was stunning at one point when Mike Trico goes, Oh, semi is down there somewhere. It's like <laughs> Semi for what the <laughs> fuck? Like, what are we talking about here? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's this is it's 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 I'm emba- honestly I'm embarrassed that the Cowboys would run out. You know, I don't care about the Cowboys one way or another, but I'm embarrassed that they would run out like a, literally an unserious wide receiver core because right. I get it. Like, I, I get it that yes, they that we knew that Michael Gallup was going to miss time. We, we know that you know James Washington got hurt. And, and Jalen Tolbert apparently is not ready to play. He was a healthy scratch last night. Like, that's a guy you can go ahead and drop, spoiler alert. But your plans shouldn't fall apart when, you know, freaking James Washington misses time and, like, a third-round rookie's not ready to go. I, I feel like we even talked about this at one point where, like, you know, if if your entire season depends on James Washington staying healthy, like, maybe things are a little bit – maybe things are a little bit too thin. Um, yeah. maybe he should not be like the one card that falls and then the entire house, um, uh, comes, comes tumbling down. Yeah. It's, I, I have no, 
I have no way to spin this in. I have no way to give hope to Cowboys fans. Not that they came to this podcast necessarily. I feel like people aren't coming to this podcast looking for hope necessarily, but who knows? It's a waiver wire pod. So maybe, um, but I just, I can't do it with the Cowboys. Um, there was part of it is just that there's nothing that we saw before Dak was injured that made me feel good about this team. Again, they're playing, playing a good defense. They're playing a championship caliber team and all that, but they literally didn't visit the red zone um, before Dak was injured. And now they, it, it might be weeks before they visit the red zone unless yeah. unless their own defense gets them there. And I mean, Zeke actually looked pretty good. You were right to point that out. But and he's probably somebody you're going to have to hate start at the running back position because just it is what it is. Po- Pollard, though, there was no like special role for him, anything like that. And and I mean, for CeeDee Lamb, too, the defense is just squatting on the short and intermediate stuff like any sort of outbreak like he had 1.9 yards of separation last last night which is not a cd lamb problem that's like a they know where the ball's going they can yeah. squat on that intermediate zone because they know you don't really have time to get downfield and my god you're getting downfield to guys like that undrafted free agent whose name i've already forgotten and like <laughs> noah brown and semi fahoko or whatever so <laughs> pretty there, much there were terrible a couple, offense there were a couple of balls to to lamb where initially my thought was oh man he's got to come down with that but even if he comes down with it there's three defensive players in the frame um they've got him like triangulated and he's not he's not gaining an inch after making that no. catch and he wasn't very far downfield to begin with so like that was going nowhere it would have been you know a free ppr point i guess but like not particularly helpful within the actual context of the game and and now it just gets worse from here. Yeah, it gets worse from here. And I mean, if you have him, you're holding him and you, it sucks that you drafted him this high. But this is what happens when a starting quarterback. I, I do think down. like there's a conversation to be had about like, like, do I really want to play Dalton Schultz? And does Dalton Schultz have any he's not going to have any trade value without Dak. So like, no. I've sort of been thinking that CeeDee Lamb is like the one the one piece of this receiving core that you hold. And like, I don't know, maybe Dalton Schultz still gets peppered with targets because everybody else here is so bad. But that that's all you're that's all you're hoping for is sort of an empty calories, you know, six catch game from Dalton Schultz, which is not usually what we're looking for at tight end at all. Right. We're just looking for the guys who can fall into the end zone. So I don't I can't really make much of a much of a case for anyone here other than Lamb as a as a fantasy start other than Lamb and Zeke. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a chance we get to a couple weeks from now and like Dalton Schultz is a guy we're considering dropping just, yep. just because you know, and it's tough because he went pretty high in drafts again. And, but it's just not a lot of touchdown equity in this offense. And he's not already a guy that was mostly reliant on volume anyways. And now that is going to be really, really, really ugly volume. So uh, we'll see, man, that's, that's a depressing conversation. Um, the other side of the ball with the bucks, you know, Chris Godwin returns. I really w- wish they had just not, done this with Chris Godwin because the problem is not that he's going to return in a lesser form or he's going to tear his ACL again or something like that but he's going to have complicating injuries and and stuff like that and he gets an a-, a hamstring injury coming out of this one Todd Bowles seems a little more enthusiastic about it but that was kind of a bummer to see because he looked pretty good but it was it was a bummer to see him go out like that Mike Evans missed a few plays here and there Julio Jones I mean looked pretty good uh, and this I, what I really like about this Bucks offense Every single one of their top four receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godden, Russell Gage, Julio Jones, they all ran at least 35 plus percent of their routes from the slot. So like they get these guys advantageous looks. I think that's key for Jones moving forward. But really, this the star of the show was Leonard Fournette. Like I'm not I'm not willing to cast a lot of judgment on these Bucks receivers until they're all out there and a little more integrated with their long vacation quarterback. But man, Leonard Fournette <laughs> certainly looked awesome. 
yeah, Fournette looked great. He did not get, you know, and uh, uh, oh, my, wow, my dog uh, going crazy for Leonard Fournette talk. Um, big Lenny guy, big Lenny, huge, dog. huge Lenny guy. Fournette did not get, and this is game flow related. I, I, I almost, almost assuredly, but he did not get any sort of significant target total here, right? Like last year, we were getting accustomed to him seeing seven to nine targets a game um, for a little while there, and then. Um, I, I, but you're not going to complain when uh, a running back goes over 130 total yards, has a dominant game. Um, is just is just physically bigger and better than than anybody on the other side of the ball. So Fournette obviously yeah. looked great. I I will also say, and and this is you know I I think we're going to mention him later, but Rashad White pretty clearly had the number two role. There's no role yep. for any other running back there. And that's just a little thing to file away. Like it, it seemed pretty clear to me that Rashad White is the is the unrivaled number two. So anything happens to Fournette, he's the guy that you want. 100%. We'll talk about Rashad White a little more later. I, last note on Fournette, man. I mean, you're right. He looked bigger. He looked better. He looked great on Sunday night. Um, and this is a Cowboys defense that we we did respect coming into the year. And oh man, Micah Parsons, you're right. It's It sucks that that guy's like potential defensive yeah. player of the year season is going to get wasted on like a Cooper rush offense or whatever. <laughs> um, but man, he's a good player, but Fournette, like dude, Fournette is good. Like this whole notion that he's just like, people still think he sucks. Like, I, I feel like there's still that narrative out there in fantasy football, um, that he's just a volume guy. He's just this, that like, man, Fournette's a pretty good player, man. He, he's made a good bit out of his career here. And I, I feel yeah. like he deserves a little more respect from some of the haters out there. Yeah, no, I agree. It's somehow guys get tagged with, uh, I don't know, they can't get the stink of Jacksonville off. Them. I don't know what the situation <laughs> is. That's it's probably a little bit that, yeah. um, but well, he, he's, I mean, he's, he, he was a little overhyped as a prospect, right? Like he went fourth yes. overall. He, he was, there was like, Oh, he's the next Adrian Peterson type stuff. And then he got freaking cut by the team that took him fourth overall. So there's probably, I think that's sort of the, the narrative that sticks on him, but he's definitely an above replacement level running back. And I think he's a, Yep. A good starting back. I think we can we can agree on that. Um, but yeah, oof, that was a depressing. That was a after a long, fun Sunday night or Sunday of football. That night game was uh, even before Dak's injury. It was depressing. It was plus like, again, that matchup un-serious. had been like that matchup had been the regular season game of the year in in yeah. twenty twenty one, right? So I I, I I don't know why I talked myself into the idea that of course they were going to run it back and it was going to look just the same as had they like they literally gave us sixty points and almost nine hundred total yards the year before and it was it was just such a that was such an ugly game for so many reasons oh my god all right let's move on let's move to the waiver wire pickups of the week um we're gonna go section just position by position here although we have some special segments later on to get to um let's start off with quarterback here andy um how do you want to do this you want to go guy by guy you want me to read off all the guys and you you pick and and i mean pretty much like i'm gonna just let you kind of drive the bus here but uh yeah i'll try i'll try to i'll try to prioritize these guys i think is what i'll do um which which is not something that we spent a ton of time with last year but i'll try to actually sequence these guys um i i feel like quarterback is the place to probably the place to start you just lost Dak. that is a pressing problem and i don't have like you know if if you're in an eight person league a 10 person league and you can actually find like a Derek carr kirk cousins out there fine great go do it um, m- most of us can't like m- most people who just lost stack are probably going to have to stream their way through the next seven or eight weeks, which is messy. And you've got to start looking at like, you know, two, three weeks ahead. You've got to plot out like a little plan, um, with your, with your streaming options. <laughs> oh, I think like, these are all going to be 
sketchy names that we that we talk about here. But again, on like on this pod, we in the pickups column, we I, I'm just I'm just looking at guys who are available in at least 50 percent of Yahoo leagues. And it would be you know, you can always cherry pick and find some guys who are like 70 percent rostered and you'll feel a lot better about the names. But then you're not really helping anybody. Um, so I want to start with this potentially terrible name. And that's Matt Ryan. Um, Matt Ryan did not, <laughs> he did not put on a clinic, uh, in, in, his, in his season opening tie to the, to the Houston Texans. Didn't see that coming. Um, he did throw 50 passes, which is how he got to 352 yards. Um, the, the, I'll tell you what he has going for him is he's the guy who gets to throw to Michael Pittman, uh, who looked <sighs> awesome and was awesome. Uh, he's also the guy who gets to face the Jacksonville defense that just gave up four passing scores to Carson Wentz, right? So the match ahead looks really good. It's not that we've never seen Matt Ryan, you know, stumble in a favorable matchup, but he's got a great matchup coming up with the Jaguars. Then the week after that, it's Kansas City, which you can at least hope is a shootout of a game in which he has to again throw 50 passes. And it might not be, you know, a totally clean game, but on volume alone, I think Matt Ryan can be really good for the next couple of weeks. Uh, other guys that obviously popped, I mentioned Carson Wentz, and he's got Detroit coming up. Like, oh, it, man. Carson is just one of those guys where we're, we're going to talk about his receivers in a second because his receivers were fantastic and I think are actually some of the ads of the week. Um, but, you know, he's the guy who gets to throw to McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and and Jahan Dotson. And that seemed like a pretty good way to make a living. It's it's never going to be a clinic with Carson Wentz. There's always going to be like four throws where you're like, how can you do that, man? You've been in the league for how long? <laughs> and they happen to not burn him uh, against against the Jaguars. At least they didn't result in a loss against the Jaguars. Uh, but again, against against Detroit with these receivers, the fantasy total could be there at the end of the day. I think that Jameis Winston is probably not somebody that you're going to want to start against Tampa next week, but he's got Carolina the week following that. And uh, Jameis has been, you know, kind of a, kind of a party, uh, in, in yeah. New Orleans over the last, like his, his eight starts for the saints. He has 16 touchdown passes and only three picks. And that is, that is not the Jameis that we had grown accustomed to, obviously in the Tampa years, he's still a guy who looks downfield constantly. There's a, there's a conversation to be had there about what that means for like Alvin Kamara's fantasy value moving forward, right? Because Jameis is not Jameis. There's there's no Drew Brees in his game. There's there's none of this. You know, it, it, Kamara used to be a guy who was completely immune to game flow. Um, be, it didn't matter. He fell behind. That's where Brees was going to go with the football through the air. Now that seems not to be the case. Like Kamara was not particularly heavily targeted in in the comeback against Atlanta. Uh, Jarvis Landry was. Michael Thomas was. Thomas looked great. Landry looked great. Like, this is a really good receiving core. So, again, I might steer clear of him against the Bucs, um, but I would play him the next week against Carolina. And the, the final name we probably have to mention here, another kind of icky name, uh, another blast from the past is Marcus Mariota, who rushed for 72 yards. And that's probably <laughs> all I have to say. Um, he gets yeah. to throw to Pitts. He gets to throw to Drake London. And he just ran for 72 yards. Yeah, a lot of interesting names here. I, I agree with that all these guys are potential streamers this week. And, you know, we'll talk more whence when we talk to receivers because they're kind of the more interesting part of this. And Matt Ryan, like, by the way, his his game looks a lot better if there weren't a couple of drop touchdowns literally in the end zone. One pretty rough one by uh, Alec Pierce, the rookie receiver, who I yeah. like. But, um, yeah, that so Matt Ryan's day against the Texans could have looked a lot better than it ended up looking like. So just keep that in mind. I mean, then they run that stupid. I I'm still annoyed at that stupid fourth down play where they had like Naheem <laughs> Hines and Jonathan Taylor in the Wildcat. I get the thought there. I get the thought. <laughs> but come on. 
Um, I, I do think that Jameis Winston, while he might not be the guy that you want to start against Tampa, maybe, although at least the Saints are running out a, a professional offense, not like an XFL offense like yeah. the damn Cowboys. I think that Jameis could actually be the one that maybe gives you the most long-term juice. So, like, if you are a Dak Prescott, you know, you had him uh, on your team, maybe you prioritize Jameis in what should be a high-scoring game because, I don't know, man, that Saints offense, like, I know it took them a minute to get going, but they look good. They look really good. I mean, Landry gave them something that they didn't have, and Chris Olave, like, he he still ran the second-most routes on the team, and he was um, pretty spicy as a vertical receiver. Yeah, I will say if you didn't want to stream uh, like absolutely every week and and spend the, you know, the next few months <laughs> just pouring over the waiver wire and you just wanted a guy, um, I think Jameis is probably the best bet here to be the highest scorer over the next six to eight weeks, which maybe that's yeah. all you want replacing Dak Prescott. Yeah, that's fair. I think that he's kind of the longest term guy. All right, let's move into running back. I think maybe we go guy by guy on this one just because quarterbacks like, yeah, good. good you, all those guys are probably fine. First off, starting with uh, I'm going to pretend that the way you have them here is in priority because I think this actually kind of makes sense this way. Yeah. Jeff Wilson uh, for the 49ers. We know Elijah Mitchell sprained MCL. He's expected to miss two months. Good God. Um, sorry that you and Tank both have to take the L to me on our FFL props because <sighs> uh, somebody went over on Rashad Bateman. You two losers were wrong. But you were wrong kind of by uh, by circumstance because Elijah Mitchell was definitely going to crush that. Uh, was it 59 and a half total that he, you had? On he FFL? was he was without question going to go off. He had like he had like 41 yeah. rushing yards in a minute um, on like on like six carries was clearly, uh, if not the centerpiece of the offense, necessarily. He was going to be a featured player for the Niners. He was he looked great. Uh, everything was going well. I only needed him to reach <laughs> 59 and a half yards. And uh, I had I had put that in a handful of parlays too, but whatever. Those are the parlays are for rubes like me. You, you probably shouldn't do it. Uh, no one should do it, um, but I can't, I can't well, stay fine. away. So t- tank is the one who's wrong, wrong, which makes sense. You know, uh, yeah, that makes he was, sense, I so. mean, he was just going to have a monster day. This is going to be like, this is going to be like last year. It was going to be 130 plus rushing yards. He looked really good. Um, it's a terrible situation for Mitchell. It's, it's murky for Wilson. Like, I feel like Jeff Wilson probably has to be the priority at the position. It's close for me with uh, with the next guy that we'll talk about. Um, he didn't have a particularly great game, but like we can we can excuse almost anything when you're playing in a monsoon. Right. And we've certainly seen Jeff Wilson. You only have to go back a couple years to Jeff Wilson having a, a whole bunch of weeks in which he really spiked um, a, like a 10 touchdown season back in 2020. He's a good player. The team loves him. The coaching staff loves him. They're clearly going to lean on him, but they're also clearly going to put Debo Samuel in the backfield again, right. um, which they did against the Bears. And there's going to be 10 to 15 designed runs for Trey Lance for I think some of the, you know, not not that this is necessarily the subject for a waiver wire discussion, but I, I think some of the the reaction to to Trey Lance's uh, struggles was, I don't know, I didn't think Trey Lance was that bad. Um, I thought he was it's, pretty dangerous. It's totally, com- it's totally confirmation bias, Andy. I, I think it's yeah. I think it's fair that we we can call it that. I mean, and it was a, like it was an absolute monsoon too. Yeah, I, Trent Williams said after the game. Like it just so happened that when we needed to throw the ball, like it was raining harder. And if you yes. watch that game from start to finish, and because I hate myself, I guess I I'd had that <laughs> on one of the primary TVs. Because I mean, I want to see what Trey Lance just feels look like, and it was pretty uncanny that whenever the Bears needed to throw the ball, the rain stopped. And and credit to Fields, I mean, he just he played 
pretty well in those circumstances and and his mobility opened up a few coverage busts in the 49ers secondary but whenever they needed to throw the ball it was like then the rain starts going again when the 49ers so i mean it it, i agree with you though I, i do agree with your point overall yeah so i don't think trey lance is like losing his job anytime soon certainly not off of that game so there's just going to be a lot of rush attempts to go that go to other guys so i don't you you can't imagine jeff wilson stepping into exactly the role that elijah mitchell's going to have right he's not going to he's probably not going to have a lot of games in which he gets uh 20 carries 25 carries anything like that but um 14 15 that's going to happen it's going to be a shanahan offense um it's going to be a team that is dedicated to running the football so there's a lot to like here and again we probably get him for six eight weeks uh as a uh as a featured guy yeah I, i'm not gonna go wh- how would you rank him like in your weekly rankings before this like probably high i would say low end two high end three for for jeff wilson yeah he's probably I haven't I haven't gone through the week two ranks yet, but he's probably going to fall in the in the mid twenties somewhere. Kind of that kind of that flex line. It's Seattle. Um, I, I it, mm, coming up next true. week, and I like I still want to know what Seattle looks like exactly. That that could be great. Like if that if that real like we're recording this before uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante yeah. Williams do whatever it is that they're going to do against Seattle. Um, that that could that could tip it for me one way or another. I I could end up thinking that hmm, 15 carries against Seattle is, is uh, pretty friendly. And I want that. Uh, so that might, you know, that, that might boost him to the RB 20 range, but I don't, I don't think there's a huge receiving role here. And I don't, I don't think that there's 20 or 25 touches in the, in the cards for Wilson. So that's going to press him down a little bit. That is my guess as well. Next up, you've got Khalil Herbert. Um, I mean, David Montgomery crushed in your usage league in week one, yeah. Um, yeah. but Khalil Herbert actually looked like the much better running back. Yeah, th- this for me is actually really close. Like I Herbert is is somebody who's actually rostered, I think, in over 40 percent of of Yahoo League. So he's not as widely available as Wilson. It's really close for me with Wilson, though. Like, I, I think what Herbert did um, is a is a reflection of of what we might see in terms of usage moving forward. Like, obviously, Montgomery out snapped Herbert, out touched Herbert by a by a pretty significant margin. But at the goal line, like on the game deciding possession, it was it was all Khalil Herbert. Um, that was a lot of confidence in this player. So that's not yeah. And Montgomery wasn't to the best of my knowledge. There was no Montgomery injury that we were worried about. He was pretty ineffective. Again, you can excuse a lot on a day like this. Um, but Herbert looked great. He looked great last season. Yeah, remember that four game stretch when he replaced uh, when he replaced Montgomery last year when Montgomery was out. Herbert was fantastic, almost 400 total yards, about four and a half per carry, you know, had a big day against Tampa of all teams and nobody could run against Tampa. So Herbert's for real. And, you know, I feel like his workload was even if it was just a third of what Montgomery saw, I feel like that's going to climb. And uh, he he just earned a lot of credit with that coaching staff after that game. Yep, and that's just a story to continue to monitor throughout the year because he can absolutely just win that job. So I agree with him being on this list. Next up here, Jalen Warren. Um, this is an interesting one because I think he's going to be somebody, Andy, that folks are like tempted to empty the clip for with Jalen Warren because he's maybe in that Alexander Madison of like a guy that, okay, the starter's out. We know Najee Harris is dealing with a, a foot injury. There's some speculation that it is the same foot as the Liz Frank injury, but it's not the Liz Frank. I, I don't know. There's it's, who knows with Najee Harris. He, he what he left last game with the in, in a walking boot. So Jalen Warren though is the is the RB two there, but how secure 
is that RB2 role? Like, do you expect him to just get dropped into the every down uh, role that Najee Harris has that pretty much, by the way, every Steelers running back is, but at least the good ones. Like, how, I guess that's the question. How good is Jalen Warren? Yeah, he he's clearly the immediate backup to Najee Harris and um, basically didn't come off the field after Harris left. Uh, the You and I are talking about the Harris injury at a moment when we don't we don't have a firm timeline on it. Um, initially, it, it it looked like every high ankle sprain I've ever seen, but it's you know, it's obviously it's the same leg. Uh, in which he injured the foot. He, he's got a little bit of a history of, of foot injuries. If it's an aggravation of the Liz Frank injury, that's that's not great. Um, it didn't sound like it was the worst case scenario after the game. Um, so, but it, it presumably this is still has the potential to be a multi-week thing. Warren's got the headwinds of you know bad O line probably poor quarterback play behind Mitch Trubisky, right? Like it's never a clinic with Mitch. He was, he didn't give the ball away against Cincinnati. That was nice. Um, I'm not sure anybody should have expected much better from, from Mitch, all things considered. Again, it's not a great offensive line is, is Warren the kind of player that can actually overcome that. He was a, he was a fun runner at the, at the college level, uh, a 1200 yard guy at Oklahoma state. He was good in every big game, right? Over a hundred total yards against Notre Dame. Um, he was good against Oklahoma. I almost never know what to do with big 12 defenses because it, it's just, it's not the same quality <laughs> yeah. of play for the most part. Um, but he's a really good college who among player. us, who among us has an overrated a big 12 receiver because yeah. of the defenses played in that conference. Exactly. Um, but he is a guy who's going to step into a pretty significant workload for however many games Najee Harris can't go. I will understand if people if people throw down an aggressive bid for him. Um, it's it's just not going to be me. Um, I, I, I don't feel like this is a empty the wallet situation. Um, I don't feel that way with Jeff Wilson or Khalil Herbert either. I'd be pretty aggressive with those guys. I'd be a little bit more aggressive than I am with Warren. That could burn me, um, but I don't like the overall scenario in Pittsburgh, and that that O line uh, did not look great. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Like a first round player like Najee Harris could overcome some of the clear pitfalls there because of the volume that he I've, gets. I've like, seen Najee Harris referred to like as a bit of a compiler, and he's just a guy who did it on workload. Like that guy actually led all running backs when you combine receptions with with uh, uh, rush attempts. He led all running backs in in missed tackles force last year, and I don't. Like I wasn't that close either. Um, he's I, he's good. Like he's he's one of those guys who had a bunch of you know maybe it's a carry that goes for two yards, but he but he made two guys miss along the way, and it could have been a four yard loss, right? Like there was a lot of that to Harris's game last year, and I it is not clear to me at all that Warren is that guy. Nope, not clear at all. But I do think he definitely is a guy that sh should be added and probably was a player that should have been drafted, like just on the off chance that this happens, especially because Najee Harris was already dealing with an injury coming into it. Um, these next two guys, uh, I'm going to group them together. Kenyon Drake, Rex Burkhead, the dusty veterans of the group. I mean, Rex Burkhead is probably the more interesting one to talk about because uh, he crushed all the Damian Pierce hopes and dreams yeah. uh, in week one. I mean, 19 touches, 71% of the snaps for Rex Burkhead. That was aggressive. Didn't didn't see that one coming. Yeah, it you know, and we all knew that Rex Burkhead was going to have a role, um, but he had most of the role. Right? He had like he had like three quarters of the role, and it it really made Damian Pierce almost a almost a guy that you have to sit until further notice, yeah. right? Like it was. 
I, I get why everybody was excited about him. He looked great in the preseason. Um, fun story, but Rex Burkhead just absolutely dominated in in a game that should have set up for like if Damian Pierce was really going to be the starter and they were going to let him roll with it, it should have set up very well for him. Um, they had a lead, you know, the the run was never out of the game plan, but Burkhead just you know what what did. Burkhead's rushing total was like 40 yards or something like it's always 40 yards. Burkhead is always going <laughs> to rush for like 40, 45 yards. It was basically yeah. the stat line that should like be named in his honor. But eight targets in this thing, 19 touches. It's really hard to argue with that. Not spectacular, but he is the most likely back to to find his way to the end zone. And he's certainly the most likely to back, back to catch four or five balls. And then Kenyon Drake was also this is kind of a gross line. Um, had had one catch that kind of bailed out his yardage total, right? He finishes with 46 total yards, played 33 snaps. He is, <laughs> you know, they, they like him more than Mike Davis. We learned that. Um, it, it wasn't Whoopee. a particularly exciting rushing performance. Uh, can't wait to see J.K. Dobbins on the field. I, I'd have I'd have Rex Burkett a little bit higher than Kenyon Drake. Yeah, I agree with you. If you have to start a Baltimore running back, your team is um, in a non bye week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your team's in a tough spot here, so uh, somebody will be doing uh, Baltimore running backs uh, on the waiver wires, trying to you know sneak them in there as starts. I mean, the Denver Broncos defense probably is going to be pretty good. Uh, somebody's going to do it. It's not going to be me. All right, let's move to wide receivers. These guys are fun. Okay, starting with Curtis Samuel. Andy, Curtis Samuel <laughs> is back. Eleven targets, a, b- a bunch of touches too. He got some rushing work, dude. Curtis Samuel. Andy, you you start because I could go on for an hour. No, I it's it's best that I start because you're a you're a noted Curtis Samuel apologist, uh, noted Curtis Samuel hype man. I don't know. That I would say correct seriously. I would say yeah. correct. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Um, he he was electric. He he looked fantastic. This was this was the version of Curtis Samuel um, that Washington thought they were getting last year. This was the version of Curtis Samuel that was that was so dynamic um, uh, toward the end at, in Carolina. He he was great. Um, Eleven targets. 12 touches. Uh, he didn't like he didn't play as many snaps necessarily as the other guys, right? Like he wasn't on the field as often as McLaurin, but when he was on the field they got him the football. Um right. he was clowning people. Um he, this was really fun. Obviously, obviously scored the short touchdown where it, it just would have been impossible um for anybody in single coverage to to hang with him. Um it, it, great play. Um he he looked really good. Like Curtis Samuel went healthy is a is a near star level player like he's not a wide receiver one obviously but this is this is somebody that needs to start for fantasy managers moving forward i i can't believe there's not someone in even a 10 team league that can't use curtis samuel right now i i think he's i think he's you know it all positions uh thrown into the mix i think curtis samuel's the most interesting player on the waiver wire this week yes uh listen we can group Jahan dotson here too because like the reality is, Andy, like these guys are just good. Like this receiver core is really, really good. A um, couple notes on Curtis Samuel. Uh, he, you're right. He did run the third fewest route or third most routes, 36 routes compared to Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, who are at 42 and 40. Um, he was the primary slot receiver. He was on the field out wide on only 22%, uh, 23% of his, his snaps. Whereas, you know, McLaurin and, and Jahan Dotson, like, that's the X in the flanker there. So uh, he does have a pretty, you know, he's got a pretty good role. There is like a layup receiver. Uh, so I, I, man, I, I, I'm, I'm gassed up about Curtis Samuel. And I'm really gassed up about Jahan Dotson too. And I know it's a Carson Wentz offense, but like week one was sort of the, 
Carson Wentz experience where he made some big yes. plays to these guys <laughs> down the field. He definitely had some like, bro, Carson, what are you doing? I mean, Trayvon Walker was also a menace in that game. That He, he looks like he's going to be a pretty good player for the Jags, despite what you think about whether he should have gone number one overall. Um, this receiver core is just good, man. Like, if you need some help at receiver, Jahan Dotson available, Curtis Samuel even more available. I agree with you, man. Like, there's there are teams that need a Curtis Samuel guy out there because they're clearly going to try to scheme him the ball. They tried to get it to him early and often. And, man, I, I'm just really high on – I'm happy for Curtis Samuel, too, honestly, because I, yeah. I think he's gotten like a – you know how it is in fantasy like oh Curtis Samuel again it's like well he barely played last year he was hurt all last year and maybe he should have just gotten surgery and rehabbed that groin earlier but that's not it's just that that's just that stuff happens like he he's a good player yeah he was he was fantastic I agree with you on Jahan Dotson too um I, I shouldn't short sell him caught a couple of touchdown passes uh I mean, one one of them was like a magnificent catch, right? Like one of them was a was He's a good. Yeah. contested really catch good. gem. He was fantastic. I don't think you can put yourself in a position where you're you're starting to Washington reset. Like I wouldn't go there. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't put yeah. myself in a spot where like you know if I've already got McLaurin, I'm probably going to let somebody else have these guys on the wire because I I just don't want to be faced with like a do am I really going to start Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel? or McLaurin and Dotson in the same week and put it all on Wentz. That might work out against uh, against a team like, uh, obviously, the Jacksonville last week, um, Detroit coming up. But that's not going to work out very often. Um, so I wouldn't want to do that. But but Dotson looked great as well. Yeah. Um, does, it, does the fact that Terry McLaurin had the lowest target percentage of these three, does that bother you at all with Terry McLaurin? I mean, for me, it's just like, I don't think Antonio Gibson's going to be getting like, you know what? Right. what do you have like eight targets. Yeah, he had eight targets yesterday. Like that's not going to happen very often. Yeah, that I, is but not going to happen. Three receivers. That is not going to happen week in and week out. We know that Terry McLaurin is really good at football. Like, Terry McLaurin's going to have plenty of weeks. Like Terry McLaurin is not. If you think Terry McLaurin is like a fantasy problem, then you've got a you've got a pretty awesome roster right now. I like the way you think about that. Um, just update as we're recording this. Adam Schefter tweeted out: Test today on Steelers running back Najee Harris's foot injury came back negative. And there is a belief that, according to a source, he, quote, should be good to go for Sunday against the Patriots. So um, we were already kind of like on Jalen Warren. Um, I think he's definitely still a guy to pick up and add, but do not, you know, we'll we'll see. I don't know. We'll see about the whole Najee Harris thing. That's a Yeah, that is really a best case scenario because he was hurting. Um, It is it is still the it is still the same leg that he hurt in the preseason. He's facing the same headwinds that we talked about with uh, with Warren. Um, It's a that's. It's great news. Um, I I hope that I hope that ends up being being the case. He seems like I mean, if you leave the stadium in a boot, that's a bit of a concern. Uh, it seems like a guy that could maybe use a week off, but uh, they they certainly need his talent. So that's great news. Yeah, I still think that you speculatively pick up Jalen Warren, you add him, and and kind of see what happens. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, let's move to some of these uh, other non-Washington receivers. Jarvis Landry, <laughs> a man. I, I I'm. I was impressed with Landry's role. They got him working downfield a little bit. And, uh, you know, he's definitely a guy that might be a little Chris Olave is going to have some big weeks, but you know, the, where Jarvis Landry wins on the field and where Chris Olave wins on the field, like are pretty different. So, um, I, I think that Landry does make for an interesting ad. Yeah. The, it, it remains to be seen what the saints game plans are actually going to be right. Like they, they threw the ball, I think 34 times against Atlanta. A lot of that was, was being in comeback mode. 
I don't know that they don't want to be a team that just puts the ball in the air like 24 or 25 times. But whenever they throw 35 times, Jarvis Landry is going to see eight or nine targets. I mean, he's a really good player. He his that 40 yard catch he had on the final drive was um, I don't I don't know how that happened. <laughs> like, I really don't know how that <laughs> happened. That was it was a phenomenal play. It was a phenomenal grab. Like he's just a really good football player. Um, it was it was weird that he had become sort of the forgotten man in this offense because he had, I mean, this guy's had a career like this guy has 60. Uh, I, I think he has six different 80 catch seasons, obviously been to the Pro Bowl a bunch. He's led the league in receptions before. He is a legendary Pro Bowl skills challenge dodgeball player um, <laughs> that right there should should tip it in for you. But he was like the He was the guy that we didn't draft in this receiving core, yeah. which is just weird. I mean, I've, I, I it understand. Is weird, yeah. I understand why we we're on Thomas. I understand why we we're on Alave. I can even understand questioning whether they could support a third receiver, but Jarvis Landry's really good. And everywhere he goes, he draws targets. Yeah. And last year was clearly hampered by injury. And I think this just comes back to Jameis. Like if Jameis is really yeah. good and he continues to show with his play that he can like more and more could be put on his plate. Like he can actually run the type of offense that we're, we care about three receivers here. And yep. it just depends like how much, but I do think that Landry is a guy that should be added. These next uh, four guys, like, well, let's do these two together. DJ Chark and Robbie Anderson. Like we should have known that these guys are going to walk into, and we, I feel like we talked about it a little bit, like that these guys are probably going to walk into starting jobs, at least early in the season for DJ Chark. while Jamison Williams is not out there. Like they're mercurial talents. They've had up and down moments, but like they, certainly can play like they can put up big plays um and it clearly showed in week one that these guys are the number two receivers on their team yeah absolutely so chark scores a touchdown finishes with eight targets um goes over 50 yards basically looked like the guy that we saw in i think it was 2019 where he was a wide receiver one most of the season um picked up an ankle injury toward the end of the year but dj chark like when he's healthy and I can like, we can forgive the urban Meyer year, right? Like when DJ Shark yeah. is healthy, oh, that's a guy sure. with four, three speed. He's got size. Um, that's a good player. So, uh, and an excellent compliment to Amon Ross St. Brown. So I, I think DJ Shark is a guy that, that we're going to be flexing a fair amount. And you know what you're getting with Robbie Anderson, right? Like the, that would not have been a particularly interesting stat line had it not been for the one huge splash play where he broke loose. But like, that's Robbie Anderson's game. He can do that. He can do that six times a year and you're, you're going to get big weeks whenever it happens. So I, I happen to like to, to have like a third receiver or a flex who has that sort of potential. So sort of a, a classic Robbie Anderson game. Would it be a surprise if next week he goes three for 33 and no touchdowns? Of, of course, like Absolutely, that's part of Robbie yeah. Anderson's game, too. But when he, you know, he's going to hit on big plays a half dozen times throughout the year. And that's going to uh, that makes him a real difference maker. And I still think this Giants defense, which they get in week two, is worth testing. Um, I think that DJ Chark against Washington, like these are these are the weeks that you probably want to use these type of receivers. And I think they fit in the same archetype. Devin Duvernay maybe could be maybe could be that type of player. But I'm also like looking at him as as the clear cut like Kevin Ogletree of of this year. Right. Like, yeah. we know, the guy that comes out in week one scores two touchdowns on like four targets. And, and then we just never hear from him again. Maybe I'm wrong, but he did run 18 routes to 32 for Mark Andrews and 25 for Rashad Bateman. Interesting that Bateman was, you know, didn't run the same amount of routes as like it wasn't like a 90 plus percent route participation guy, but um, was still the clear dog in the wide receiver room. And then everybody else kind of mixed in. 
Duvernay had the exact stat line that I would have bet on Sammy Watkins having, right? Like the the right, low target yeah. total, <laughs> huge breakout performer in week one. And maybe we don't hear from him again this season. It is almost certain that like it's a two touchdown game. So it could very well be the best game that he has this year. I think he's interesting because we've been, you know, we've been mulling over like who's going to be the number three receiver on the Ravens. And it's entirely possible that the Ravens don't produce like a third pass catcher that we have to start or that we have to roster in fantasy. But it, you know, and we, and you and I had discussed the possibility that it would be Isaiah Likely. He saw a bunch of tight. He saw, like, I think, four targets in this game. Um, didn't catch any of them. Duvernay was great. Uh, and I also feel like some of the low target total might just be uh, the game situation, right? They were not facing a particularly competitive opponent. Um, didn't didn't need to put the ball in the air fifty times. Not that they're ever going to put the ball in the air 50 times, but like if you're in a league in which a third Ravens receiver can get interesting, it's probably Duvernay. I think you're right, though. Like generally speaking, when you're when you're looking at the waiver wire, you want to be following targets perhaps more than you're chasing touchdowns. Right. Like I obviously he's not going to be a guy who just scores week in and week out. He's not he doesn't profile as a as a classic, you know, red zone goal to go receiver or anything like that. But it's a great week and he might just be the Ravens number three. Yeah, he's at least worth adding if you play in deeper leagues and, you know, keep an eye on the usage for week two. Um, Last guy here at wide receiver before we move on, Josh Palmer. They play Kansas City uh, on Thursday night this week. I'm at this point betting that Keenan Allen is not going to play. Andy, the, the notion on Palmer coming into this year was he was the wide receiver insurance guy to have coming into Coming into this season, because when Keenan Allen went down last year, you know, he had a pretty good game. He moved into like that Keenan Allen role. That's not really what happened in in the last game. Like he mostly stuck to the outside where DeAndre Carter, who we're going to pick Austin Eckler's brain about DeAndre Carter in on Eckler's edge this week. So obviously come back for that. We're going to get a ton of insight from him um, on this whole Chargers situation. But DeAndre Carter was the guy who was the slot receiver. 71% of his routes came out of the slot when Keenan Allen went down. Like Keenan Allen was ripping the Raiders up in that game. He was going to have a monster game, but then Carter just kind of picked up where Keenan Allen left off. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a little like, I definitely think Palmer's worth adding, but I don't think he's like a, I'm probably not starting him on Thursday night. Yeah. That's why I buried him underneath, you know, two Washington receivers and Landry and all these other guys. Um, I don't think he's a sure thing. In fact, like every chargers receiver saw four targets basically (laughs) against the Raiders, right? Like it's a, it's a bit of a nightmare of a box score to go through. Keenan Allen was pretty clearly going to see 10, 11 targets in that game, but everybody else like this might end up being an offense where the right way to invest in it was Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler. And it, it's going to be a different receiver each week other than other than Keenan. When Keenan gets back, he's obviously going to see a ton of targets. He's been a hundred catch receiver forever. And it doesn't seem like that's a that's a dire situation. So uh, there's just almost no way that he's going to be able to turn around and, and get back on the field for a Thursday nighter. But it doesn't seem like it's going to be too long. So, yeah, I, I fundamentally agree with you. Uh, we're we're going to see a whole bunch. And Justin Herbert has been like, I feel like all all season last year, Justin Herbert would just like make up a guy from scraps yep. um, who scored a long touchdown like week in and week out. He's just really good. He can put the ball anywhere on the field that he wants to. And he's obviously he's going to distribute the ball to everybody uh, in his receiving core. Everybody plays a few snaps. Um, it, it might be a little frustrating. Palmer did really have a big week. Yeah, he had the five catch, 66 yard, one touchdown week last year in the only game that Keenan missed. Um, I think he's interesting. And it's also, it's the 
type of offense that, you know, if, if we're talking about a flex, if we're talking about a wide receiver three, maybe take a shot with the Chargers offense because they're probably going to average, they're probably going to average 32, 35 points per game this year. Tell you what, Andy, um, Dalton has been running, you know, with his shirt off victory lap since the Thursday night opener with Gabe Davis. But you were definitely about to be able to trip him mid lap and posterize him with the Keenan Allen. You know, you had him top 10. Dalton had him at like wide receiver. I don't know, 55 because he's 30 years old. I'm kidding. I know he didn't have that level, but like <laughs> he, Keenan Allen was about to smash in that game. It's it's a shame that he uh, it's a shame that he got hurt. But yeah, we were pretty much lockstep there with uh, Josh Palmer. Andy and I are going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about oh, yet another Chargers player. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, we're back. Uh, first on your tight end list here, Andy, it's Gerald Everett. And man, I mean, I'm going to have to have Austin Eckler run his first fantasy analyst victory lap here uh, because him and Justin Herbert would not stop talking about Gerald Everett. Uh, on the first episode of Eckler's Edge. And what do you know? Gerald Everett comes out. He doesn't only get four targets, but played a ton and scored a touchdown and like looked pretty good too. Gerald Everett's a weird player because I feel like teammates always rave about him. And then, and then he's on a different roster the next year. Um, <laughs> that happens. That happens to him a lot. I thought he was, I thought he was a really good college player too. Um, do you know I, who the, Gerald, Gerald Everett's kind of starting to remind me of the guy that he replaced in LA? Oh, Jared, Jared Cook. Cook. Yeah, absolutely. Jared Cook. Jared Cook was, Man, Jerry Cook, what a what a wild career he was like for the first five years of his career. He would he would always finish strong in December. Like he was he might be the only guy who's ever been like a fantasy sleeper for like four or five years running. It was really incredible. Um, And, and Gerald Everett has a little bit of that because he always gets some buzz in camp and teammates always love him. Super fun play on which he scored the touchdown. He backpedals into the into the end zone. He's really good. He's a really good athlete. He is, of course, mired in this situation where everybody, literally everybody on that team got four targets against the Raiders. So it's not going to be a sure thing. There's I don't think there's a sure thing at tight end out there. Um, I, no. I am. I, I will caution people on. I feel like we need to mention O.J. Howard. I didn't even put him on the list, but I feel like we need yeah. to mention O.J. Howard because he caught two balls. Um, both of them were touchdowns. At least one of them just a walk in touchdown. Um, he, he also played 12 snaps. And like, I yeah. care about playing time. And we talked about this with Duvernay and, and the, the notion of chasing touchdowns. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to just purely chase touchdowns with OJ Howard. He barely played in that game. Yes. When he got on the field, he scored. Um, that's great. But that's, that's not generally the kind of line that I'm going to, that I'm going to chase after. Yeah. I, I feel you. By the way, Jared Cook, his first season was 2009. That was my <laughs> freshman year of college. Jared Cook is Wow, what a what a what a life! What a life Jared Cook has had. It does seem like it's finally over here in the NFL for Jared Cook. But yeah, uh, yeah Gerald Everett taking over as the new Jared Cook. Um, I, I like your notes about OJ Howard. 
we need to see his role grow before, but I'm at least keeping him on like waiver wire speed dial that like if the next, sure. cause the Texans are looking for guys to step up, right? Like if he comes out there and he's suddenly like a 70% snap player or like running a ton or a ton more routes, like I'll be totally ready to pick him up. Cause it's a little weird that like Brandon Bean rarely ever misses. And they were so willing to just like cut OJ yeah. Howard with a guaranteed contract. But I mean, shoot, the like the Texans need people. OJ Howard, I think, does have skills. And I was interested at least that um the the broadcast while that game popped up did mention that like Lovey Smith specifically recruited OJ Howard. And like there's some connective Tampa Bay tissue there. They weren't there at the same time, but like, you know, he knows some guys that coach him, stuff like that. So I don't know. Is it worth keeping an eye on? But I'm with you for now. The other two guys here, they're like kind of they're back from ACL tears. Logan Thomas, Robert Tanyan. Logan Thomas looked the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia. Um I'm I'm happy to see him out there. I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised that he was out there actually as as early as he is. And again, we're 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 really talking about a lot of Washington pass catchers here. Um, but it is at, le- at least worth mentioning that you know we know he's a good fantasy tight end when he's healthy. Yeah. So a couple things with Logan Thomas. I wanted to give you the opportunity to call him the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, I thought that Thank was you, important. That. Also, yeah. I, I'm just like, he's one of those stories from week one that just sort of wowed me because I did not expect him to play. Um, I, I thought he was going to miss several weeks. Like he's coming back from ACL, MCL, meniscus surgery um, seemed pretty serious at the time. I just he was not in my plans at all. I did not think he was going to play early in the season. Played 48 snaps, um, saw six targets. It did, not that he'd made a ton of fantasy noise or anything like that. He caught three of them. Um, but this is a guy who's going to have some weeks. And the fact that he was he was apparently not on any sort of snap count coming off of that, I thought was really impressive. There's just just a handful of comeback stories in week one. Uh, James Robinson was another that, that um, really wowed me and where I just did not expect those guys to be able to make it onto the field, and they did. So... That was something to see. The only reason that Tunyon is on this list is that the man has like an 11 touchdown season on his resume. And he's one of the few receivers that Aaron Rodgers can pick out of a lineup on that roster right now. He ran a route of 47 percent of Aaron Rodgers dropbacks. Um, you know, he also lined up at like legit receiver a lot. 45, yeah. according to PFF, 45.5 percent of his snaps from the slot. 27.3. He was lined up out wide. Andy's dog is a big Robert Tunyon fan. So <laughs> I mean, we're Tunyon fan. The My dog is trying to Tunyon. say baby Kittle. That's what she's trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got with the Leonard Fournette, Robert Tunyon. We know uh, what's your, what is your dog's name, Andy? I don't even know. Izzy. Izzy is my dog. Izzy. Name. Izzy she's is ancient. a big, she's big Fournette fan. Big, uh, how, how old is she? She's almost 15. Um, it's Ooh. astonishing yeah, wow. that she's yeah, actually okay. reacting to this at all because she hasn't really been able to hear anything that we've said for the last year or so. But, um, but she, she hears Tanya and she reacts. There you go. Well, both my dogs are in here and, and they've been asleep for the last hour. So they couldn't give two <laughs> about as much as I'm trying to hype up all these Washington players. Hello. Charlie is literally from the area. Wake up, pal. I got nothing from either one of them. All right. Let's move into some of our special segments here as we close out the podcast. This one I'm titling Getting In Early, which is basically like, who are the guys, Andy, that folks should be adding that aren't going to pop in, you know, the ESPN, NFL.com, waiver wire articles, or even Andy Barron's big time waiver wire article on Yahoo, but the best waiver wire column, by the way. Andy Barron's, but they're not going to pop in those. Like they're not the ads this week, but they could eventually help folks down the line. And if you have a stash spot, maybe consider these guys. Yeah. At some point this season, um, 
James Conner is going to limp off the field, right? Like, um, no, this oh. is no disrespect <laughs> to James Conner. No, no, no reference to his durability or anything like that. It's just a hard position. Almost no running backs are going to make it through the season unscathed. At some point, he's going to limp off the field. And I thought we learned pretty clearly that Eno Benjamin is the number two there. Um, we didn't even see Daryl Williams. There was no Daryl Williams. Um, it was, it was Eno Benjamin a little bit you know, a little, little bit of it was got the whole, almost the whole game was in garbage time, right? Kansas city just lit him up. But I think, Eno Benjamin is the, is the very clear number two there had a little bit of buzz in the preseason and I don't like, nobody's going to be fighting you for him on the, on the waiver wire this week, because it's going to be Jeff Wilson. It's going to be Herbert. It's going to be people really interested in Warren. I just don't think there's going to be, you know, maybe people will make, uh, uh, know, Benjamin like a fifth option in waiver claims, but I, I don't think anybody's going to be fighting you for him. But there is going to come a week where we, if we don't lead the show with you know Benjamin, we're going to be talking yeah. about him really yeah. early, because uh, you know we you should expect that almost every running back in the game is going to get dinged at some point, and we're going to be talking about a James Conner injury, and and Eno Benjamin is clearly going to be the guy to pick up. And then we also mentioned uh, Rashad White earlier. I thought he was obviously the very clear backup to Leonard Fournette. Um, no, no Gio Bernard in that one. Um, no Vaughn in that one. Right, like that is pretty clearly going to be Rashad White's role. Uh, he'll, he'll just come right in and, and he'll step into the, to the touches that Fournette was getting. Not that he's the exact same player. I thought he, I thought he was a really exciting receiver in college, right? Like yeah. some of my favorite highlights, some of my favorite, at least pass catching highlights, almost regardless of the position, um, coming into the league this year where we're shot white. So, uh, that guy's, that guy's pretty gifted. He's rostered in about, um, 40% of leagues right now. So he, he might not be out there in yours. He was a, he was a popular sleeper, but if he is, He's not going to be a guy whose you know, whose name is at the top of the man. My dog hers. Here's Lenny Fournette again, and she's like, "Woof, woof." Um, yeah, I was going to say, what's Izzy's <laughs> scouting report on Rashad White? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want to hear this. She's like, she's like, Leonard Fournette is an Iron Man. He's never going down. Um, <laughs> but White White is pretty clearly a guy who who is going to have a huge role, um, and it's going to be a really profitable role when he steps into it eventually. 100% agree. Yeah, those are two great names. And like the backup running backs on offense, as we expect to score a load of points, like, yeah, those are the ones that are we're going to try to tell you to get yep. in early on. I think we got a lot of clarity on both of those guys that they are the clear cut RB2s. All right, Andy, what goes up must come down. If we're going to add all of these guys to our rosters, we do have to give the people some folks to drop. Uh, I will offer up my nominations, but you go first here with the, the guy or guys uh, that folks should consider dropping. Um, or definitely just get them the hell off the roster. Yeah, I wouldn't. And, you know, we talked about the tight end position this week as, as one where, the, other than Gerald Everett, I don't think anybody really popped necessarily. I'm not super excited about OJ Howard just yet, but you got to get Mike Gusecki off your rosters. Um, the, he's, he's clearly not a system fit. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't think no. the new coaching staff has any use for a, for a tight end who can't play in line, doesn't play in line. Like, he, I mean, he's basically purely a, a slot receiver and they're, their actual wide receivers are so much better than Mike Gesicki. I like he, he saw like one target. I don't. I don't think it's going to get much better than that. Um, no. I, I think he's in for a lot of weeks where he catches one pass, two passes. He was surely a trade candidate for that team. I'm sure that gets tied to his contract. Maybe it. Maybe it's an. Un, uh, maybe it's a contract that can't be moved. I don't know. He, he has no role on this team. Like there, he's. He's no kind of blocker. Um, played behind Dustin Smythe. Um, I, I just don't think he's going to play Smythe. that often. Show, show, show Mr. Dustin, Smythe a little respect. Durham Smythe. You're, you're right. My, my bad. My bad. 
Dude, Seathan, Seathan Carter even like got hurt in this game, and Durham Smythe, the, the aforementioned Durham Dustin Smythe, uh, dropped a pass in this game, and like <laughs> Mike Seki still, st- yeah, Dusty Smythe still couldn't even get any like Mike Seki couldn't even get any burn after those guys were like getting yeah. hurt or messing up or whatever. So yeah, I mean Gasecki is like uh, for, let it go. Jerry should be on the blower with the Dolphins right now, trying to get Mike Gasecki on on his roster. What a disaster! What a what a disaster! The Dallas Cowboys. But uh, all right, I, I I'll I'll offer up a couple of could drop candidates here, Andy. They're all in the AFC East. Well, let me actually say this: I've got. A, I don't know if I for sure want you to drop everybody on these two receiver cores. <laughs> like, I like Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is a good player, man. By the way, like I he he looked pretty good against the Dolphins in this game. But man, I've got a bit of an itchy trigger finger when it comes to dropping any Patriots receiver and honestly, any Titans receiver either. I mean, the legend of Kyle Phillips does continue to grow. Kyle Phillips nine, on nine targets. I know, I know, targets. I know. I'm a little less like, but I'm talking about like a guy like Robert Woods, who is, you know, yeah. widely rostered and all that stuff. Like, but if you're really hurting and like Woods is the guy that you're looking at, like I might consider just saying goodbye to Woods. I mean, if Kyle Phillips, who is probably never going to help you in, in fantasy. Like if you have to start Kyle Phillips, your team is probably really screwed. Um, <laughs> and you know, Burks is still running as the wide receiver four. that'll change at some point. I get it. But like, how long can you really wait on that? I, like these two receiver cores in general Patriots. I mean, Devontae Parker enough already. Like Kendrick Bourne is we fall, we've fallen way out of favor there. I'm, um, I'm at least considering like if you've, if you need to add somebody, those are two, two receiver cores. I'd look at in, in totality. Yeah, I agree. I can't I can't really fight for any member of the Patriots uh, receiving core at all. Um, you're what what are the odds that Mac Jones gives us games with, you know, three thirty and three touchdowns? We're just not going to get a lot of that. It's not going to be some sort of high yield passing attack. So I, I get it. And it should go without like Robert Woods is a tough one because he's a he's a good brand name. Um, easy story to root for. But would I rather have Curtis Samuel right now than Robert Woods? Hell yeah, I, I absolutely. Yeah, maybe. Would. Yeah, it's just like offensive ecosystems, and I'm I'm not really trying to invest in that Titans offensive ecosystem. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they have a good game, and you know, next week, and I look like an idiot. But I do think that's worth <laughs> considering. And James Cook too. If we were talking about like a, a tough cut at running back, like I definitely think that there's a scenario, there's a there's a universe where you cut James Cook after week one because it's clear that B- Buffalo is going to be three backs. Yeah. Um. And, and he fumbled in the first game. We know that. Like, there's a universe where you cut him after week one, and and he comes back to bite you. And you know, some other team that wins the championship has him on their roster, and you hate yourself for it. But I don't know. He's a guy that I would, if if you needed to add like a a hot waiver wire running back, like a Jeff Wilson type, I'd I'd cut James Cook for Jeff Wilson. Yeah, fully agree with that. Um, we saw a whole bunch of rookies who had almost no role in uh in week one. Zamir White. Uh, no role. Tyler Algier, not even active. Um, a whole bunch of guys that I'd be willing to kick to the curb. And, and James Cook is probably there. Didn't yeah, we? We should. I probably should have seen Zach Moss coming. I'm a, I'm a longtime Zach Moss supporter, but the, you know, that the whole starting the season, uh, not even active last year was a <laughs> was was a worry. Um, he seemed like he was entirely absent from their plans until a pretty good camp this year. Um, but Zach Moss was a was a real factor, a real complicating factor. And the thing with James Cook is like his ceiling was never featured running back for the Buffalo Bills. His ceiling right. was always guy who catches 45 passes this year, 50 passes this year. He's like the the receiving down back and not somebody that they're going to give even 100 carries to. So if he's not even in line for that, I don't know why you're holding. 
Yeah, ceiling was like J.D. McKissick, the guy that they tried to yes, sign to actually right. get get this role, and that didn't happen. And it's just like, yeah, it's it's. I don't think he's ever going to turn into that, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, on the inverse, Andy, this segment we're going to do every single week. Hold on loosely. These are the guys that are like, hey man, don't we don't want you giving up on these folks yet. Like, hold on to them a little bit here. Um, who are you? You've got a couple of candidates here. I've got three. Who are the guys you're 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 telling folks like? I know you're pissed. I know, especially week one, man, people get so irritated when the thing that they thought was going to happen all summer doesn't come to fruition. <laughs> Who are the guys that people need to have a little patience for? Yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to give it a couple weeks with George Pickens because um, he was I mean, th- this is such a talented player. He's got speed. He's got size. He's got all of it. Rarely came off the field for Pittsburgh. So he's playing. He's running routes. We, we don't have to worry about that. This isn't a guy who's like fighting for playing time necessarily. He's got the Trubisky problem. He's got the, the, the you know, Pittsburgh offensive struggles problem. Like that's all that's all part of his story. It's a it's a concern. Only only saw three targets in the opener. Um, I was expecting more, but man, this is a really talented player. Talked about it throughout the offseason. You know, when when Pittsburgh sort of reaches on a receiver, you you, you should you should maintain an interest. So I think there's going to be good George Pickens weeks down the road. I'm not I'm not panicking just yet. I'm close. Not panicking just yet. I would be really concerned. And there are some dynasty formats in which I have Devonte Smith and I am uh, I'm I'm worried because uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know that Jalen like I, Jalen Hurts is a really fun fantasy quarterback. I don't know that Jalen Hurts is going to support three pass catchers over the course of the full season. I mean, the guy had a great fantasy year last year while throwing 16 touchdown passes. Um, AJ Brown was dominant in week one and Hertz was constantly looking his way. That's going to be a thing all year. No question about it. Um, there was a pretty steady drum beat all summer of, of wow, that like Dallas Goddard is a thing and Dallas Goddard was a bit of a thing in week one. I don't think it goes beyond Goddard and Brown. Um, I don't know that we're going to see very many Devonte Smith big weeks. It was, you know, only a four target game for him came away with nothing. Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd be worried. I would definitely be worried. Hopefully you drafted him as like your wide receiver four. Yeah. You know, so hopefully, hopefully that, that he didn't go. I had him what, like 38, 39 was kind of where I ranked him all off season. Um, the good news for Smith though. And the reason that I think you should not drop him is the Eagles were like about 14th, 15th in neutral pass rate in week one. So they definitely weren't just like the, you know, run it down your throat offense that they yep. were last year, which is good that like Smith's going to have some big weeks. I do think they will be really, really difficult to predict. Um, so he he's a guy that I definitely think you should hold on to. By the way, like A.J. Brown, I mean, knock on all the wood. That got the dog's attention. Knock on all the wood. A.J. Brown, uh, you know, is a guy that has had injury problems. And like if he ever went down, then we're probably starting Smith in fantasy every single yep. week. And with with your Pickens thing, I, I don't know. He's I'm a little more like. Curtis Samuel, Jarvis Landry, Jahan, Jahan Dotson. Like, I think I might rather have those guys than George Pickens. But the next group of guys you had on your list, like DJ Chark, Devin DuVernay, Robbie Anderson, Josh Palmer, I'd still rather I'd have George Pickens yeah. over those guys. Um, my three hold on loosely candidates are two Texans. Don't go dropping Damian Pierce. I know that it was frustrating, the, the Rex Burkhead thing. Like, it, I get it. But, like, that's going to flip at some point. Okay. Like, I don't know how long it's going to take. But at some point, the roles will flip because um, Burkhead just – 
he's just not that good. And he's, he's Damian Pierce is clearly a guy they are really excited about. So disappointing. I don't think you can start Damian Pierce. You got to stick him on your bench until you actually see the switch happen, but it is going to happen at some point. So hold on loosely to Damian Pierce, Nico Collins as well. The routes were there. The targets weren't there, but you know, again, this is a guy you drafted to be like your wide receiver five. I certainly think I'd, I'd still rather have Nico Collins than, all of the wide receivers we listed here on the waiver wire pickup. And my last guy is also David Njoku. The snaps were there. He was on the field a ton. I know Kevin Stefanski praised him for his damn blocking. And you know, I, I know that fantasy managers hate when their tight ends block, but he's going to be on the field a ton. And, and maybe he doesn't reach, you know, tight end one ceiling, but you know, that was kind of an aggressive jump. Anyways, I would hold on to David Njoku. Yeah. I've got no problem with that. Like me, OJ Howard scoring two touchdowns for the Texans and Nico Collins not finding the end zone um, was a little bit triggering for me because I'm just a longtime fan of of Collins. I, that's another guy that I wouldn't drop. And I think you drew the line at the right place. Like um, if I'm in a shallow league and Samuel is out there, I definitely want Samuel. I want Landry. I want Dotson over him, but probably not the rest of those guys. Yeah, 100 percent. I think we're on the same page here. All right, Andy. That was awesome. We covered a ton of guys. Uh, anything else from you before we get out of here? Nothing from me. Nothing from my. Do- I think my dog is done. I think my dog has uh, said her said her piece. Wants you to wants you to keep riding Leonard Fournette for the rest of the season. Uh, big Bob <laughs> Tunyon fan, but I, I think those are her only. Uh, those are her only hard stances. Hey. Izzy came through with some big recommendations. I'm definitely come after this pod. I'm going to go check out my rankings and make sure Bob Tunyon is like fringe tight end uh, 10 for me this coming week. He's going to score two touchdowns against the bears in that hammer drop that we talked about to stop, start the show. So that's what Izzy is trying to forecast here. She's Hey, she's giving her, we don't do our fearless forecast as much anymore. She's given a fearless forecast. Like, Hey dad, prepare to prepare to get upset about Bob Tunyon getting two touchdowns against the damn bears. She might very well be right. She's probably right. All right, that is going to do it for us. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, go check out how much fun the at Yahoo Fantasy account is having this season. Trevor, I mean, the guy's just a runner on a heater there. If you like the show, how the hell could you not like the show? We just gave you so many waiver options to pick from. Make sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I will be back tomorrow with Chargers running back Austin Eckler. And it I we definitely didn't record it before this one. And it's definitely going to be a great episode, though. I just have a feeling in the air for a new episode of Eckler's Edge tomorrow. Until then, we are out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.